Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Chris Graham here on the podcast. Boy, it was, it's was it been almost 24 hours since the tip, uh, as I'm recording, uh, of last night's uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech game. Uh, I like to try to record podcasts a little sooner, but I had so much to write, and I want to be able to you know have my thoughts all in as, as much as possible anyway, all in one place. 75-41 was the final score. You know that already. That's, you, you, you know. Um, I'm just studying the scene here, right? Um, first observation, um, uh, Virginia failed the eye test. <laughs> Let's just say, you know, you, I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, watched the game on TV like I did last night. I didn't want to travel down to Blacksburg. I hate 81, especially coming back. Win or lose for a Virginia team. And lately, it's been all losses. That was the fourth straight loss in basketball, it's been forever since Virginia's won in football down there. I think it was 1998. I was at that game. 1998 is a long time ago. I was still in my twenties. Um, anyway, uh, the the broadcasters, it was Corey Alexander and some dude uh, talked about how Joe Lunardi, who's the uh, bracketology guy, said, "Win or lose, Virginia's not going to improve or uh, see its its uh, seed line uh, fall uh, as a result of last night's game." But that was before 75-41. Now, Lunardi, to his credit, whatever sway he has, which is none, uh, I looked at his bracketology update this morning, Tuesday morning, and he still had Virginia as a nine seed. I think it's generous. I looked at the computers. The computers dropped Virginia precipitously. You know, as of before the pit game last week, Virginia was sitting from the computer standpoint as a borderline seven seed. Uh, average rating uh, in the six metrics, somewhere in the upper 20s, like 27 or 28. Now it's right above 40. Uh, I think it was actually 41 something. So uh, that would be 10 seed range. Not quite still uh, last four in territory. Last four in would be uh, the seeds 44 through 48, I guess. Uh, that's when you play in the first four uh, with uh, the the. 416 seeds who are, are basically 17 seeds uh, in Dayton on either a Tuesday or Wednesday before the main tournament draw starts. Uh, but Virginia is getting closer to there. Now there's plenty of opportunity to play back off that uh, with the game of Carolina this weekend, for example, a game at Duke next weekend, uh, road game, Boston college, home game, uh, Georgia tech, couple wins in those Virginia finishes 22. And what would that be? 22 and nine in a regular season. Uh, that'd be 13 and seven ACC. You're probably nine or ten at that stage. That's still there's a couple wins you got to get there. Uh, last night doesn't make you think. If, you know, I mean, if you if you think that a team is what it is uh, and, and always will be, that seventy five forty one makes you think Carolina's going to win by seventy. That's one what one of my friends texted me last night as that massive egg was being laid in Castle Coliseum. Um, but obviously teams uh, from one game to the next uh, can get things addressed. There's plenty of time between now and Saturday, and um, we'll see. Uh, but among the issues, 41 points. I mean, the 75 points is ugly too, but the 41 points against the Virginia Tech team that in its last five games coming into last night had given up an average of 80.8 per game, and the best it had done in that stretch – was holding Florida State to 75. That's the one game in those last five that the Hokies had actually won. And so they go from giving up 75 in a win to giving up 41 to a Virginia team that, uh, I mean, as of a week ago, was a game winning streak. I mean, things were going in a great direction. Um, 
And this is, and that's after for Virginia a forty nine point uh, output and a win over Wake Forest on Saturday. So that's two straight games not getting to fifty. Virginia last night, uh, you've probably blocked this from memory. <laughs> it was sixteen fourteen Virginia Tech at the ten minute mark of the first half. Uh, or actually inside the 10-minute mark, right? It was 9.43 when Jordan Miner hit that uh, that layup, make it a two-point game. And then Virginia didn't score again until it was almost nine minutes. It was, you know, The ESPN folks kept saying over nine minutes. It was eight minutes, 57 seconds. A 20 to nothing run, if you can call it a run. You know, When you score 20 points in nine minutes, you don't expect to go 20 nothing. <laughs> um, but it was 36-14. It was eventually 36-16 at halftime. Game was already over. I mean... It took Virginia until the 237 mark of the second half to get its 37th point when Jordan Miner hit the second of two free throws. Tough, tough man. Um, Virginia was 32.7% from the floor, 2 of 12 from 3, 3 of 20 on mid-range jumpers. I mean, that that's just – I don't know what you can even say about that. Uh, the defense was, was maybe worse, 50.9% shooting for Tech, and that was with 8 of 23 shooting from 3. Not a great night, not a bad night. I mean, anytime you shoot over 33%, that's effectively 50% when you think of them as twos, right? You make 24 points on 23 shots. But the big thing was 7 dunks, 16 of 21 total at the rim. 16 of the 27 makes for Virginia Tech last night were at the rim, point-blank shots. And that was largely... I mean, they were they were uncontested shots. Uh, Virginia, the leading shot blocking team in the ACC, was not that last night. Virginia Tech wins this game by thirty four points with its two big scorers, Sean Padula, eight points, Hunter Couture, six points. You know, guys who average mid double digits having off nights, and Tech still wins going away. The bigs dominated. Lynn Kidd had two points in the Virginia Tech loss at Virginia last month. He had. 14 on 5 of 5 shooting last night. And most of that was early, but it set the tone. So Lynn Kidd, 14 on 5 of 5. Robbie Barron, 13 on 4 of 4, 2 of 2 from 3. Obviously some free throws involved there. And Malil Jail Potit, I'm not going to say that first name again, 13 on 5 of 9 shooting. Those three were combined 11 of 13 at the rim. Um off of back screens and cuts. It wasn't, you know, dipping the ball in the posts and let's have a guy back a guy in and you know, make a Patrick Ewing or Ralph Sampson little hook shot. Uh, it was it was guys getting passes and, and just running in for for easy stuff. Um, not much in the way of a fix from the coach. So I mean, so the offense didn't work, the defense didn't work, coaching staff didn't work. Uh, you know, no answers, nothing, nothing, no adjustments made during the game at halftime during the second half. It was just basically tried harder, and that's. That's frustrating. Uh, you know, the, the guys didn't look like on the floor, didn't look like they took it uh, personally. The coaching staff looked like they gave up. Um, Bennett tried to send a message to his team by putting his starters back in at the, what was it, the 634 mark, down 32. They checked back out three minutes later. They were down 36. I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, going to my five, five observations column, uh, what's up with Ryan Dunn is a question. You know, we always, we're getting this a lot these days uh, because it seems like I'm the bad guy for telling you that Ryan Dunn, every mock draft I look at, he's not only a first round pick, he's pretty solidly 
maybe a late lottery pick or or right outside of the lottery. I'm talking about somewhere between 12 and 17 or 18 in the first round. Um, I mean, because I get it. I'm I'm just like you. Offensively, you know, basketball is more than counting numbers, but offensively, um, in his last seven games, he's averaging 4.3 points a game. You would like to think that a guy who is a projected late lottery pick would be giving you more than 4.3 points per game over that long of a stretch. 14 of 27 from the floor, that's not bad. I just, you know, not a lot of shots, less than four shots per game. Two of nine at the line? Oh, man, um, it's tough. And his defense hasn't been that great lately either. Uh, in his last seven games, he's uh, he's averaging the four points on four shots game. He's giving up six points a game. Um, so, I mean, last night gave up nine. He was, you know, it's how that, how that's determined is Synergy Sports looks at the plays, who's guarding the guy, you know, and it can be a little skewed because a guy slipping off a screen, who's guarding that guy. But in, in those one-on-one -on -one plays where Dunn was directly responsible for the, for the guy in front of him, uh, gave up, he gave up nine points. Um, his offensive game, I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again, I'll say it until, He's in the NBA, I guess. It's a very derivative offensive game. He cannot shoot uh, perimeter shots. He's not a guy who's going to dribble drive his way to the basket from the perimeter or even from mid-range. Uh, basically, he's a guy that gets passes off of cuts, um, off of screen back screens, and he gets offensive rebounds and scores. It's it's a very vulture-ish kind of, kind of way of, of scoring points. Um, his value is obviously on the defensive end. When I looked at his numbers on Synergy Sports, 95 makes this season, 76 are layups, dunks, or tips, and six are runners in the lane, basically just sort of longer layups. 82 of his 95 makes are right there at the rim or a couple feet away. That's his offense. Um, his mid-range jumpers, he's 3 of 11 this season on mid-range jumpers across 27 games, and he's 6 of 27 from 3. Um it's it's that's what it is. I mean, you know, that's that's just what it is. I did some math last night and I thought it was interesting. I think obviously I'm gonna share uh this so 20 wins for Virginia, seven losses for Virginia. The seven losses all by double digits, average margin of defeat, 21.3 points. You you had a sense of that. You didn't know that exact number. I didn't until I did the math last night. But here's one commonality. I kind of got a th thought in my head, you know, when this team gets down, they don't really come back. And so what I wanted to do was was I went back to the play-by-plays of each of the seven losses and looked at when the opponent got its last double-digit lead and then how long they held it from there. Wisconsin on November 20th, a 65-41 win, led by double digits for the final 11 minutes and 15 seconds. So we're going to establish a pattern here, right? Memphis 77-54, December 19th. The last 1301 was a double digit lead. Notre Dame 76-54, the final 27-25, which means they took the lead. They took a double digit lead. Seven minutes, 25 seconds left in the first half, led by double digits the rest of the way. That's the game that Notre Dame led 13-0 at the start, too. So I mean that was that was you know amazing. NC State 76-60 on January 6th, double digit lead for the final 16-20 of that game. Wake Forest, 66-47, January 13th, the final 18-41 of that game. Now, Pitt won by double digits. That game was close until the final 10 minutes. Uh, Pitt went on a run starting around the nine-ish minute mark, um, so only led by double digits for the final 5-17.
And then Virginia Tech last night, final 26-45. The amazing thing is Virginia Tech won that game 75-41, and they only led by they – they led by double digits for the final 26-45. That's actually less than the Notre Dame game. Hard to figure that. The average time left on the clock, man, when I did some math on this, uh, when the game was over, 16-57 in the second half. I mean, that's that's a team that doesn't fight back, man. You know, things when things are going well for this team, they can beat a lot of teams. When things aren't going well, they throw in the towel, and that's distressing. Next observation was about Jake Groves. Anybody seen Jake Groves? I asked the question last night. Hit a four-game stretch. Seems like forever ago now. Uh, January 31st to February 10th, he averaged 14.3 points. Uh, 13 of 18 from three in that four-game stretch. Whoa. Great numbers. His last three games, he's averaging three points per game. Three of nine shooting overall, one of five from three. I mean, just from from a number standpoint, in that four-game stretch, he was shooting the ball nine times per game. He's shooting the ball three times per game now. And only five three-point attempts in the last three games, 1.6 per game. He was shooting six per game before. So um, it's not a coincidence if that Virginia's lost two of their last three and they've had uh, – under 50 the last two games. So this is one of the guys that needs to to do something. I suggested in the column last night, maybe put his photo in a milk carton, see if we can find where he is. Uh, final observation from that observations column, and I hate doing this because I don't know Andrew Rohde. He's, he, I, I assume he plays for Tony Bennett, Tony Bennett recruiting, but he's a great kid. He's a punching bag among the fan base. I know that. I get all kinds of emails about him, and as a result, I, you know, I do a lot of, I've done a lot of mailbag columns. Um, I'm going to say, and this, this is probably controversial, it's not his fault that he's not the 17.1 point per game score that he was in the Summit League last year. Um, It's a different level of play. I mean, that's part of it. Obviously, plenty of guys jump up from mid-majors to, and I don't know if the Summit League's even a mid-major, but the, you know, we'll use that colloquial term, uh, the catch-all term. Um, And, and plenty of guys make the jump up and, and do fine. He's just, he's not, he's not adjusted yet. Uh, Rody put up another goose egg last night. Uh, that's his sixth of sixth goose egg of the season. Goose egg, obviously zero points in a game. Fourth in the last month, fourth time in a month that this guy who starts for this team has scored zero points in a game. Over his last 11 games, Rody's averaging 2.8 points per game, shooting 22.2% from the field and 27.6% from three. Um, point that out. Okay, so you got one of your starters who's averaging 26 minutes a game, scoring 2.8 points a game. You got, and that's over his last 11 games. I'm not talking about the last couple of games. Then you got Dunn, who I pointed out his last seven games, averaging 4.3 points a game. Uh, Jordan Miner and Blake Buchanan, they're your two guys who split your minutes at the five spot, the center spot. Uh, they were a combined one of nine last night in 31 minutes. And in recent Stretch the one and two stretch two losses in three games. They're averaging six point three points a game on thirty three percent shooting. I mean, you're talking about thirty three percent shooting from guys who shoot at the rim. I mean, they're they're not shooting jump shots. They're they're right at the rim and they're shooting thirty three percent on those shots. And then I'm you know just mentioned Groves, averaging three points a game in his last three games. That's a lot of pressure on Reese Beekman and Isaac McNeely, uh, the only two guys on your roster who can score with any regularity, right? 
Uh, I don't think it's a surprise. You know, Mike Young and his group, I, I mentioned earlier, they were giving up 80.8 points a game in their last five. That's a long stretch to be giving up a lot of points. But if you're Mike Young, you, you game plan it to focus on Beekman and McNeely. Not hard to focus on McNeely. He's a three-point shooter and, and got a mid-range game now, but can't get to the rim. He got, he got to the rim once last night, but you look at his season-long numbers. He is 7 of 26 at the rim. Just not a guy that you can really uh, – that you really have to fear getting into you know, deep into the to the paint and doing much with it. So you, you you take him out by zoning off of him when you know the the when the big is setting a screen in the mover blocker or in that middle triangle that they like to run sometimes, you know you you just basically cheat off of off the guy. Uh, don't let McNeely get any kind of comfort space sliver of light. Uh, and then with Beekman, I mean it's not easy. Beekman can get to the rim an awful lot uh, just with his great physical abilities and his great ball handling skills. But, uh, you know, what you do there is the same kind of thing. You just give extra attention. You slack off whoever's on the side of the floor that he might be driving on. You know, you leave Ranger Rody open for a, a potential three. Uh, you make sure not to let uh, Ryan Dunn slide in behind you uh, and, and may create an avenue for a pass that can lead to a dunk. And that's the only thing he can do. Um, and otherwise you kind of have at least one and a half guys on Beekman. And that's what Tech did last night. He was only three of 10, seven points, two assists, three turnovers for a guy in his last six games. He'd been averaging 18.5 points, 5.5 assists. Um, McNeely had 11 points last night, but nine came in the second half when the game was already over. Uh, you know, this is you – know, it, 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 it's reminiscent. I mean, we saw this before, and I don't want to just ascribe it to road woes, but, you know, when Virginia was in that streak of losing four straight road games and got blown out in all four of those games, uh, you know, they had kind of fixed that uh, and went on that 18 winning streak, you know, starting with the win over Virginia Tech uh, over a month ago now. And the offense seemed to be running good and, and things of that nature, but you know, what was going wrong in that that four-game stretch before the eight-game winning streak was uh, same kind of things. Uh, opponents, opposing coaches were instructing their guys to sort of zone off um, and, uh, and 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 take away the, the one-and-a-half options Virginia's got. Because I'm only counting McNeely as a half an option because right now he's got – he's a two-level scorer. He's he's shooting better from the mid-range. He's, he's shooting okay from three right now. He's not shooting what he was early in the season from three. But he's not going to penetrate the lane and get to the rim. He's not going to penetrate the lane and dish out. He's sort of a half guy right now compared to what he will be down the road in his career. Reese Beekman is very much a guy who can you know, score at all three levels, can create, he can create at all three levels. But if you only have those two guys to worry about, you've got a, a the, the other wing guard is scoring less than three points a game. The backup wing is scoring three points a game. Your, your power forward is scoring four points a game. Your two centers are combining for six points a game. It's just not a lot. There's not a lot of options there. Not a lot of options there. Um, so I think that'll wrap us for now. Uh, I'm going to do another podcast tomorrow. I spent a lot of time today breaking down a lot of what we talked about here, but just putting a lot of more focus to it. I want to kind of go through that separately. That might take another. That might take another half hour if I did it tonight. I don't want to. Uh, to to you know, kind of mingle all that together, but I want I, I want to give it its due, and um, 
So that's going to come up Wednesday on here on the show. And then also then on Thursday, we'll make a point to uh, look ahead to North Carolina and how Virginia can turn around from a 75-41 blowout loss to a very average Virginia Tech team and uh, get ready for a top 10 team in North Carolina. And, and what is starting to feel more and more like a must win for Virginia. So we'll do that. Hey, uh, if you have any questions for me, any comments, anything you want me to kind of address in some way in an upcoming mailbag, I've already got a few sitting in the mailbag right now. So I'll be actually, as as I'm posting this this uh, show tonight, I'll be working on some of that tonight too. But if you have anything for me, and there's, <laughs> I'm guessing you have lots of questions. Uh, you know, the questions tend to come out after losses more than after wins. And so don't be shy. Email me at chris at augustafreepress.com.